Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good morning to you. Hi there, this is Patrick Timponi. Bright sunny day here in Dripping Springs, Texas. It would be the 14th of uh, December. Nice to have you here. Care to join the show? You can do it by the telephone that nobody uses any longer. I think we just don't know how to do it. Triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. Email Patrick at one radio network dot com. Patrick at one radio network dot com. Uh, first guest we're going to have on for about an hour. He is the raw egg nationalist. I think you're going to find him quite fascinating fellow, and we're going to introduce him to you in just a second. After that, we'll uh, have a drink of uh, water or something, and we're going to come back, and uh, we're going to get into um, something that I see really going on with um, these quick video things, you know, the TikTok and slide, or I don't know what they call them, film or the reels, and this uh, 10 second blips um, and um, I think it's, it's I think it's well I think where it's going is the people behind all these things want to uh, distract you from looking at things in a slow critical m- contemplative way and thinking about things I know this is a little tinfoil hatty rather than you know what I'm saying? So we're going to get into the difference between contemplation and meditation. And there's a big difference. And uh, uh, so we're going to talk about that. That'll be in about an hour and a half or so. Somewhere around there. Okay. So first up, there's a gentleman. And yeah, we, he's not on video. He's just on audio. And we'll ask him why. But he is. Uh, he goes by the, by, the, by the moniker of Ren, Raw Egg nationalist. He has uh, written three or four books. His latest book is called The Eggs Benefit Benedict Option, The Ultimate Guide to the Great Reset Plan for Food and How Can Resist It. And he talks a lot about eggs, but also about uh, the declining male fertility and things like that. So it'll be fun. So here we are. Mr. Raw, so what do I call you, Ren? Is do I call you Ren? Is that good? Yeah, Ren's good. You can call me Mr. Egg, Raw Egg. I really don't mind. <laughs> Mr. Egg. That's right. So, when you were a kid, did your mom give you a lot of eggs? How did this all start? When you to be an egg person? Well, you know, actually, as a child, I was quite a fussy eater uh, to begin with, and I probably would never have eaten an egg if right. I'd been given one. Certainly, would never. Actually, I might have eaten boiled eggs with soldiers. You know, where you have a boiled egg and you cut the top of uh, off it and you dip the thin slices of toast into it. But um, hmm. yeah, the the raw egg thing uh, really started quite recently. It only started in the last couple of years. I mean, I've I've always been a very health conscious person. I've been uh, a fit person. Um, for for my entire adult life, I was a sportsman at school, uh, martial artist, uh, competitive martial artist. Um, hmm. But in the past in the past couple of years, then I I uh, found myself on Twitter in uh, the sort of health sphere, a kind of uh, on on the right rather than on the left, so a sort of a political health sphere, you could call it. Mm-hmm. And people had started people had started uh, consuming raw eggs, and there was this hashtag raw egg nationalism. 
that was uh that was going around and people were were posting about eating raw eggs and uh how it was a a, a political thing you know to to build a strong body and to to resist the kind of um weakness and dependency that's foisted on us um on us today and uh i just i got behind it and the first thing i did the first real thing i did was i released a a raw egg cookbook called raw egg nationalism in theory and practice which i self-published initially and um it was a huge hit it was a huge hit i released it as a free uh download just as a pdf to begin with uh-huh. and tens of that tens of thousands of people downloaded it and then there was um people were saying oh you should do a paperback version of this so i did lots of people you know thousands of people have bought that now five thousand people have have bought that so um it all all really sort of started from there summer of 2020 and it's just been be it's just been crazy ever since i'll be done so why the uh anonymity and uh with the name and no video what's that about well because i think i think well i, th- I think it's i think it's very clear that today it's only possible to express certain viewpoints um uh without being penalized in public forums mm. especially you know especially on social media so yeah. you know you can you can say what you like if you're on one particular side of the aisle but actually you have to be very very careful indeed if you're on the other uh and you're subject to all sorts of threats not only um not only sort of in the online world but offline too you know countless countless um online commentators uh have uh have been doxxed have had their identity revealed and have lost their jobs their mm. livelihoods mm-hmm. and and much more in 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 some sort of uh like more, even more tragic cases so it's it's um the anonymity thing i think is I started out with an with an anonymous account and and was just uh, sort of doing a bit of health posting and talking to people. But um, yeah, I've I've maintained anonymity because I think it's I think it's still very much necessary. Things that things are starting to move, perhaps in the right direction with uh, Elon Musk's yeah. acquisition of Twitter. But uh, we'll we're see. still a we're yeah. yeah we're still a very long way from from having a neutral any kind of neutral. Um, uh, public square in which people can freely discuss their ideas without uh, fear of censorship yeah, or penalty. Yeah. He's been uh, really quite feisty. I uh, saw a post that he did about uh, Fauci, and you know, pretty amazing that he's getting away with that. You know, and he yeah. should be prosecuted yeah. in the whole thing. So, you know, I, I, maybe he's kind of a good guy. You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You know, you never know about these people who. It's hard to imagine that somebody that becomes billionaires. I don't. I don't know of any of them that got there on their own. You know. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no quite. I, I. I would agree. I think. Uh, I think people probably shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Elon Musk is is still a member of the elite. He's still yes, a billionaire. He's still. He's yeah. still beholden to certain people. Uh, he. He is. Um, you know, I mean, there are all sorts of all sorts of things that should incline us to be skeptical to be about skeptical, him. But right, yeah, right. he's yeah. certainly he's certainly made some some positive steps, and and it's it's clear that Twitter is Twitter is becoming a freer place and has become a freer place already. And he's certainly saying some things that, as you say, like with the with the Fauci thing, that yeah, um, pretty interesting. You know, huh. yeah, you you wouldn't you wouldn't have seen a public figure say something like that on Twitter before. Elon I, Musk took it over and, and get away with it, but now I think he's really 
might very well help to to kind of shift the Overton window, right. or at least uh, to start so, start waking people up. So, do you think this whole? I mean, we see the uh, uh, Ren, we see the um, uh, and the numbers on the sperm counts and and the whole thing and what's been going on the last I don't know. You tell us, maybe twenty years with soy and um, this is. Do you think this has all been just a planned thing to lower the population? Well, I think I mean it's, I think it's been going on for longer than it's been going on for longer Long than twenty years. Long but time. but I think that in the last sort of twenty to thirty, maybe since the beginning of the nineties, then things have been getting really bad. Things have been accelerating. I I'm it's diff- it's difficult to say whether this is a plan or whether it's just whether it's just an unavoidable consequence of industrialization and our and our uh, reliance on particular particular things like plastics for instance so mm-hmm. one of the princi- one of the principal causes or one of the one of the um uh kind of uh, main potential culprits for all of this uh, dreadful, dreadful disruption of of uh, hormones and fertility that's that's been taking place, uh, are things called xenestrogens, which are basically um, chemicals, uh, artificial chemicals, um, and also some natural chemicals that uh, mimic the effects of estrogen, which is a, a human hormone associated with women. Or with 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 uh, feminine traits, feminine mm-hmm. um, physical processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these chemicals mimic estrogen in the human body and disrupt our natural hormonal balance. So, if you're a man and you're exposed to these chemicals, then they alter the uh, testosterone to estrogen ratio, and they can have all sorts of feminizing effects. They also have very serious effects on women as well because they throw women's natural hormone balance uh, out of kilter. So. I mean, these these chemicals are essential to the manufacture of plastics and and to other industrial processes as well. So, part of it, I think, is just is just an inevitable. It's an inevitable aspect of industrialization that we hadn't reckoned with. I mean, part of the problem, I think, is that we have this. We make these assumptions about the safety of chemicals. Uh, we assume that they're safe until proven otherwise, and in many respects, actually, that's a stupid thing to do—to assume that they're safe until you, you know, all of a sudden people start people start getting unwell, or we see ad- other uh, you know, adverse physical effects in the environment with amphibians and 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 fish, right. as, mm-hmm. as w- w- which were really sort of the canary in the coal mine for for a lot of these. Um, a lot of these chemicals. Actually, what we should be doing is we should be assuming that the chemicals are harmful until they're proven safe. That would be a more sensible way. But the problem is that that now there's a lot. You know, there's billions and billions of dollars in plastics and these other industrial processes, and so you've got vested interests that don't don't want uh, for there to be any kind of um, changes to the way that chemicals are regulated. They don't want chemicals like BPA, phthalates other xenestrogenic uh, chemicals to be banned because then they'd lose a lot of money and they'd have to alter their industrial processes. But at the same time, to, to go back to the question that you were, that you raised at the beginning about whether or not it's deliberate, at the same time then for the last, well, s- certainly since the beginning of the 20th century, then we've had 
all sorts of social planners, eugenicists, philosophers, yes. public figures, captains of industry, all saying that the global population needs to be reduced and, if needs be, uh, sterilants and other similar chemicals should be added to the food supply and drinking water in order to reduce the global population. So it's difficult. It's difficult it's difficult not to wonder at the very least because you know we've got all of these very prominent people saying that the kind of things that are happening now that we are observing you know should have been should be done deliberately so yes it's, okay. it's difficult and i it's can difficult to say I, I can recall i i'm in uh, outside of austin ran and i can remember the very first whole foods in 1980 right the very first one the only one and i worked there for a while and I mean, soy, you know, was everywhere and uh, very, very estrogenic, right? Very estrogenic. Yeah, I've, yeah, I, I talk about, um, I talk about soy regularly on Twitter and okay. I also talk about it at length in my new book, The Eggs Benedict Option. Soy is, yes, soy is promoted as a, you know, as this wonderful, wonderful health food, this wonderful, uh, wonderful alternative to animal-based protein or an, an animal products you know because soy is as far as vegetable um or plant-based proteins go then soy is is close to a complete protein or as close to a complete protein as you can get but what what we do what we're not told about of course when we're when we have soy and soy products foisted on us is the fact that it is extremely estrogenic in fact it's one of the it's one of the most estrogenic um plant foods there there is and uh you know you only need to look at the history of soy consumption how it was traditionally consumed uh to see that it's not a good idea to consume soy in in any large quantity so actually in places like japan and china then soy was only consumed really as a condiment by ordinary Very people small, and, right? it was, and it was fermented yeah, and it, too. yeah, fermented. And it, yeah fermented exactly right. the only people who ate unfermented soy so actually, so when you ferment soy, what you do is you actually um, you sort of deactivate the uh, estrogenic chemicals, the, the phytoestrogens in soy. Huh. So that that means that you don't experience the the uh, feminizing effect. But the the only people who didn't eat, uh, the only people who ate unfermented soy were monks, and they ate unfermented soy to control their libido. Is that so right? That's, uh, I didn't know that. Yep, that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's interesting. I saw article years ago where there were all kinds of a relationship to the amount of soy that the people in the Philippines they got all into it years ago you know 40 years ago and and the um, the disruption of the menstrual cycle for the girls who were coming into menses way early way early fascinating yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sure well one of the Another very very potent phytoestrogen is hops, hops which of course are used in beer, oh. which of hmm. which of course are used in beer, and uh, hmm. there's all sorts of anecdotal evidence uh, about, for instance, what used to happen to female hop pickers. So, hmm. you know, traditionally you would have ordinary people picking picking hops by hand, and um, uh, what would happen is that the women picking hops would suffer serious disruptions to their menstrual cycles just just from picking hops so you can imagine you can imagine perhaps Drinking. what the effect of con of consuming hops 
regularly would do to you. But yes, uh, hops contain one of the most potent phytoestrogens uh, known to man. And there's also, I, I read a study that suggests that actually what happens is bacteria in the gut, um, when you consume hops and hopped products, um, basically produce they produce more of the phytoestrogen so some some kind mm. of um, digestive process that takes place chemical process that takes place in the gut actually sort of enhances the phytoestrogenic effect of hops so yeah it's 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 not we shouldn't we shouldn't be consuming these phytoestrogenic uh foods in any quantity regularly and 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 we should really be doing what the ancients did which was to ferment them uh, in order to deactivate the the estrogenic chemicals. Oh, you mean uh, they would make uh, um, liquor or alcoholic beverage? Well, but beer is not fermented. No, it's not. I guess. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. I, I I really meant soy. I don't. I don't okay. know that you can. I don't know that you can. Well, you might be able to ferment the hops themselves, but um, yes, I mean in in alcohol, certainly in beer, then the hops are uh, are very much active. Yeah, and it's curious, and if you can uh, correlate that with the, you know, the beer commercials and showing all these muscular guys, real men drinking beer, right? <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a funny thing, and it and it's interesting actually that, you know, once upon a time, well, I mean, once upon a time, centuries ago, then mm. beer, of course, wasn't made with hops. Beer was made with other botanicals, huh. but not hops. Hops, hops were a later were a later innovation and what hops allowed what hops allowed you to do was to to store beer for longer hops prevent beer from spoiling so you know if you're, if you're in if you're a monastery in europe and you've you've um you know been producing beer that you're then going to ship up a long river like the rhine or something hops are a godsend because they uh they prevent the product from spoiling in transit We've been doing quite a bit of research and looking into and experimenting ourselves, Ren, with eating more animal-based foods, meat and eggs, um, meat and eggs and butter, you know, fat. Uh, and a lot of the real carnivore gurus, and I'm not one of those, because I don't know what I'm talking about, but they, they argue too that just good old organic beans are highly estrogenic, just, and people eat a lot of beans, just beans. Estrogen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yes. I'm sure that I'm sure that they do contain phytoestrogens. I mean, it's it's soy and hops really that get the most that get the most exposure and right. that, that are talked about the most. But but yes, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that beans probably do contain phytoestrogens because most plant foods do to in in some quantity. They do. Right. Um, I mean, the thing the thing about these plant based protein sources in general. So things like beans, but also soy, other legumes, chickpeas, etc., is that they contain um, quantities of things called anti-nutrients, which you, which yes. you may have heard of. Yes, sir. and, and anti anti-nutrients actually prevent. Well, they do. They, as the name suggests, and they actually prevent you from absorbing certain nutrients in your gut. So things like uh, phytates, for instance, will prevent you from taking up iron in the stomach in your stomach. So actually if you consume enough uh anti-nutrients if you consume enough plant products you can actually end up running quite serious deficiencies like anemia etc 
And so they, they reckon, for instance, that in places like the Middle East, where they eat a lot of unleavened bread, they eat a lot of flatbreads. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the bread, so the, the bread dough isn't fermented. And what that means is that the anti-nutrients, uh, phytates, lectins, things like that, aren't deactivated. Uh, people in, in the Middle East, because they eat all of these flatbreads, uh, suffer from chronic anemia, which is why hmm. height in the Middle East, which is why people there's there's a lot of stunting in the Middle East. Basically, people aren't as tall as they should be. Flatbreads are what is flatbreads? Uh, just unleavened bread, unleavened bread. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, exa- exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, they're very quick and easy to make. Yeah, and they do a lot of that in the, for for a long time, uh, centuries, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real staple of Middle Eastern cuisine, flatbreads of various different varieties. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, uh, Raw Egg Nationalist is with us. His book, latest one, is called The Eggs Benedict Option. So you're equally passionate about both subjects, eggs and what's going on with the whole food thing, right? So this is kind of a your 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 philosophy. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, hmm. It's a it's a political food philosophy. That's what I would say. I would I think it's impossible it's impossible today to talk about food and not be political. That's the right. and the basic the basic message of the I suppose of the raw egg nationalism movement of which I have become the figurehead um, is that a nation is only as strong as the individuals of which it is comprised so you know you can't have a strong nation if people are weak and sick and it's quite clear that we live in very 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 sick nations today you know the the majority of people are extremely unwell dependent and um we really need to do something about that and as you know uh well and i think you live in europe correct in europe um yes uh, the war on meat thing is just really um, prolific, and it's very obvious. Very obvious. Oh yeah, it's yes, it's really, it's really starting to accelerate. I think, yes, and uh, hmm. you, you see, you know, you see, uh, if you're on Twitter, you'll you'll see a lot of you'll see a lot of adverts for new plant-based meat alternatives and cell-cultured cell cultured chicken and cell cultured salmon and cell cultured um beef and alternative protein sources like cockroaches and and all this kind of stuff it's it's all being given a very very heavy push and um yeah it's it's uh it's it's being presented as the future of food and uh we we really need some we really need some coordinated pushback against it because they're they're a huge Huge big corporate money, interest, right? Big money. Huge corporate interest behind this stuff, and this is something that I talk about at length in the book. Is the way that these big corporations, people like JBS, Tyson, mm-hmm. corporations that already have a stranglehold on agriculture and food production and distribution in the U.S. and and around the world, really, are all transitioning now away from. Uh, the sort of traditional model, the traditional agricultural model to uh, these new alternative protein sources in large part because they allow them to have a, an even more effective monopoly over the food yes. 
over the food system because because what you can do with these alternative protein sources with plant-based meats and cell cultured cell cultured meat is you can patent it uh hmm. as as much as as much as much as you can vertically integrate a company that uh you know a dairy company let's say or a meat packing or a meat company like JBS or Tyson as much as you can vertically integrate it you can't patent a cow why <laughs> yeah yeah and unless it's a genetically modified cow but but you can patent you can patent a plant-based uh a plant-based burger or plant-based meat and so what you can do is you can own as a corporation every single stage of the production process from start to finish from from the vat in which the uh protein burger is made to the you know all the all the intermediate um production and distribution systems so it's uh it's it's a way that they're that they're trying to i think enhance corporate monopoly enhance corporate control or create a corporate monopoly rather over the food supply and that's a bad thing monopolies are always always a bad thing and uh, especially especially with regard to the food supply you know what we really need to be doing is we we need to be well we need to retake uh the food supply from these big corporations we need a new a new localism we need to foster local networks of food production that serve the needs of ordinary people mm -hmm. rather than the profit margins of these enormous corporations that have already over the past century done such enormous harm to the health of ordinary people and as you know there was big money still is behind this um was a company beyond meat i think gates and other yes. people and that thing yeah. is crashing though i mean when they when they kicked off in what 2019 the stock price was it was close to $200 a share right they really you know sold the idea and today it's $15 a share people are just not having it it's just poo they're not interested yeah i mean it's 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 heartening to see that certainly yeah it's, it is it's, really. it's nice it's pretty good news really. it's <laughs> yeah the, the problem the problem is that there are such powerful interests such powerful interests behind this transition to plant-based diets that um the success or failure of just one company won't won't be enough i mean if you look at if you look at um these sort of um indexes of of new startup companies then every single virtually every single day there is a new um plant-based meat uh, startup oh really? or new i didn't know that yeah. yeah oh yeah it's it's really it's a it's a boom it's <laughs> a boom business they're all they're all investing uh, all these all these um you know philanthropists and captains of industry and and hollywood film stars you know people right. leonardo dicaprio has invested in uh a cell cultured salmon company i think it's called what's it called wild foods or something i can't i can't remember the cell name of it but anyway salmon so they make it in a lab right <laughs> yes yeah so they yeah so they make wow. yeah so they construct they construct salmon steaks you know in in a in a petri dish essentially or in a vat oh good um and assemble it and you know 3d printed steaks and all this kind of stuff it's a it's a boom industry at the moment and they're banking on people just well, kind of going along and saying well, it'll be fine well i think i think as well what they're banking on is they're banking on meat becoming too expensive for ordinary people they're banking on inflation they're banking on yes, sir. i think this coming this coming recession really i think 
a lot of people are going to be are going to be making very very hard serious choices about you know whether they want to heat their home or eat or eat meat yes sir um and as you know it's it's gone up and i know i eat a lot of meat and it's gone up a lot in the last few years just with the inflation big time yeah it's it, yeah. it's 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 bad here too it's really bad very noticeable is it okay uh, let's do a little break here sir stay right there patrick tim pony what do you think pretty interesting stuff eh? i think it is OneRadioNetwork.com. If you've heard us talk about this sauna, we have uh, we have the best sauna. I think I know. I know it seems weird. Everybody says I got the best this, but I I really do. I mean, I've looked at this for gosh, fifteen years, and this is the uh, the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. It's made at a medical university and in Taiwan, and so depending on what happens with China and Taiwan, I guess we're going to keep having it. I don't know. Um, but uh, they're really a good unit. Uh, they've won several awards um, in Taiwan for their technology. They're using a computer kind of chip thing that makes the far infrared um, rays and light a uh, very healing light. It's very sophisticated. It's not just heating up a thing with you know some heaters. Uh, it's the real deal. Uh, you can get one. Uh, through your host here, Patrick, by emailing me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. And we sell it for $1,295. $1,295. And it's such a low price um, that we worked out a deal with a distributor to have this price, their suggested retail, I think, is about 1500 or something. Um, but they allow us to do it as long as we don't put it in print and we just uh, put it out uh, through our voice. So that's what we do. If you'd like to get this puppy, it's extremely low EMF. There's no radio RFs. A little bit of magnetic energy, but no more than you get driving in your car unless you're in a Tesla, and I wouldn't do that because of EMFs. But... Plus, I don't have $100,000. Anyway, I wouldn't buy one if I had one because I'd love to get a meter, you know, some of these meters we have in a, in a Tesla. I don't want to get too off track here, but I don't even want to think what they could possibly be. But just here, they're there. So check it out. If you would like to get a sauna from us, just email me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. If you haven't tried our colostrum from Sir Thrival, listen to this. Daniel Vitalis, let's play a game. On a desert island, you can only pick one food. Just one. Just only one. Um, if I had to live off of one food, I think it would be, if I had any choice, it would probably be colostrum. It's the most complete food that I know of. And the, and the thing about colostrum is the first food for any mammal. So it's kind of a no-brainer that colostrum contains all essential fats, it contains all essential amino acids, it contains all essential glyconutrients, which are carbohydrates. It basically contains every substance that we need to maintain our bodies. The first milking you get from a cow after the cow calves is called colostrum. Every milking thereafter is called transitional milk. And what it is is it's part colostrum and part milk. So that's something that can happen in the industry because people will sell you the transitional milk and call it colostrum. We're very careful not to do that. We only use the first milking of the animals. Pure colostrum from Sir Thrival. They take the moisture out. That's it. 
to order, click on the picture of colostrum front page, oneradionetwork.com. And when you go to Survival, you can uh, look at all the other great things that they have, like uh, the digestive bitters. Bitters is a wonderful thing to have a little bitters, and it just kind of kicks up things in your liver and your gallbladder and get the bile going, and pretty cool. They're just uh, different um, um, fruits and uh, herbs, things like that. Uh, also, um, pine pollen, elk, velvet antler, and these are all real foods. They're not supplements, so you're not kicking up your testosterone with, uh, you know, putting BBs in your butt and, and all that. These are this is a food, pine pollen from trees. So it's a great company, and uh, there's some really nice things there that I think you'll enjoy. And Easter Thrival Link, and they also have a new thing, but speaking of plants, this may be something to try. It is a, a um, um, sustainable black walnut, maybe a plant thing that would actually be good to take. We'll see. Uh, I bought some, but so far I like it. We'll see how my body does with it. But this is just black walnuts, all sustainably grown in, in forest, and they, they gather them. And, and the only ingredient is black walnut. And black walnuts are very powerful um, protein. Uh, year, long ago, they used to actually, uh, people used to use black, oh, black walnuts for their protein, along with meat. Uh, so that's an interesting product. It's called black walnut. It's on Surthrival. Check it out. See how you do with it. You might do just fine with it. Um, uh, nuts do have a little bit of oxalates in there. So, you know, one of those things that you don't want to do too much of, but I don't know how much. But, um, you know, see what you think. And the only way you really know for sure is if you try it and you say, well, that, that, you know, that'll work. You know, I think I like that. Try it. Broadcasting from the beautiful hill country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Talking with an interesting fellow. His name is, uh, uh, they call himself Ren, raw egg nationalist, or just egg or whatever. Um, when you popped up on, on, on um, uh, the video thing, there's a picture of this fellow who looks like he's got muscles on his muscles. And I asked Ren if this was you, and you told you told me it was a fellow by the name of Vince Germanda, right? G R G I R M A N D. You should see the muscles on this guy, and he he was eating thirty six raw eggs a day. Well, yes. Well, he wasn't eating thirty six raw eggs every day. Okay, Vince Gironda. He was. It was basically so he was a, he was a proponent of natural bodybuilding in the fifties and sixties. Ah. So that was when when steroid consumption was really becoming was becoming widespread in in the bodybuilding world, and it was becoming increasingly necessary to take steroids, or seen as increasingly necessary ah. to take steroids to be competitive. But what Vince Gironda um, Vince Gironda was against the consumption of steroids, and what he advocated instead was the consumption of massive quantities of raw eggs as an alternative to steroids. So he he came up with this thirty six eggs a day diet as uh, <laughs> as an alternative to a steroid cycle, and it would be taken in the same way. So it would be it would be cycled over a period of 
up to uh, six to eight weeks where you would build up each week um, until you reach 36 eggs uh, for one or two weeks and then you would cycle down and and you would and that would be it and then you would go back to a normal diet so you wouldn't um you wouldn't be taking 36 uh, raw eggs every day but i mean he definitely did consume uh, significant quantities of raw eggs generally anyway and the bodybuilders that he trained people like larry scott he trained a young arnold schwarzenegger frank zane lou ferrigno huh. as well as a lot of a lot of hollywood stars because he had a gym in north hollywood um uh, yeah eggs eggs were central to his to his natural bodybuilding system so there's there's real evidence ren that uh, that raw eggs help the body to with resistance of course to build muscle there's evidence yes there yes there is i mean i t- i talk about this at length there are a lot of there are a lot of good scientific studies now that are substantiating vince Gironda's theories what what you really need to realize is that it's not actually necessarily just about the protein in the eggs um when people think of 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 um you know rocky or or whoever knocking back raw eggs they they tend to think oh it's it's for the protein right you're you're knocking them back for the protein but actually what vince Gironda said was what vince Gironda intuited was that it's the cholesterol content of eggs that is so important eggs have eggs have a significant amount of cholesterol in them uh 300 milligrams i think per egg um which at one point was was um you know more than the daily recommendation of of um of uh of cholesterol according to the american heart association anyway uh there have been all sorts of studies that that show now uh, including the work of uh, a chap called steve reichman which show that consumption of cholesterol is more closely correlated with muscle gain than consumption of protein. Ah, so yeah. there is a there is a closer relationship between um, the amount of cholesterol you consume and the amount of muscle you gain than there is between the amount of protein, protein. you consume yeah. and the amount of muscle because you gain. So everything is all the hormones, right? Ren are made from cholesterol. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Mm. I mean, that's that's probably why. That's mm-hmm. probably why because what it is is the cholesterol you're consuming is is then being used to produce hormones, including principally testosterone, which is the which is the the anabolic the anabolic male hormone that right. um, mm-hmm. that we that we all covet. Yeah. Is there a big difference? Do you think you know a lot about eggs of doing them raw or scramble them or soft boiled or hard boiled? Do we do we know? Well, I mean, one of the one of the things about consuming them raw is that you can just consume a much larger quantity. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you you will have, I'm sure you've seen Cool Hand Luke. You'll know sure. the the famous scene where right. Paul Newman tries to to eat fifty boiled eggs. Right. It's very it's very very difficult to eat fifty boiled eggs, but it's not difficult at all to eat fifty raw eggs if you want to. In fact, you could knock fifty raw eggs back in in a minute. Um, <laughs> There, there does seem there do seem to be as 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 whenever you cook whenever you cook a food or whenever you heat a substance then there definitely are chemical changes i don't think that we know enough about them yet to say but it's 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 probably the case that um in certain respects and yes heating heating an egg will change it somewhat will yeah. We'll change it and we'll destroy some of the micronutrients. It'll certainly destroy the enzymes that are present in a raw egg, right. which uh, yeah. have all sorts of beneficial. So, I mean, my my advice generally would be 
eat eggs. It doesn't, uh, doesn't it doesn't matter. really matter if you if you if you cook them all or if they're raw. Uh, it, if you're not eating eggs, you should be eating eggs. They are a superfood that we've been wrongly told not they, to eat. They, they really are, aren't they? I mean, I've seen some yes. some real high level scientist types that break it down, and I saw one fellow. He was comparing eggs to even ribeye steak, and it had more usable uh, good stuff than the steak did. Yeah, huh? yeah, of course. Yeah, wow. I mean, e- eggs, eggs are eggs are a superfood up there with liver and other organ sure. organ meat. I mean, it's it's really something that <laughs> that everybody should be consuming, ma- male and female. I mean, of one of the things, one of the substances that. Uh, women are often deficient in is choline. Choline. Well, C H O L I N E. And choline is essential for the proper formation of the brain. So if you're deficient in choline and you're pregnant as a woman, um, then your child is at risk of um, uh, reduced IQ, but also actually in, in extreme cases, conditions like spina bifida, I think. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're a pregnant woman, then eat, eat eggs. E- it, even just, I think it's even just one a day can be enough. Is that right? So is there any difference in your opinion of slugging it down the raw eggs, you know, like in Rocky with just in their whole form and dump them in the thing and, or mixing them up, uh, breaking up the yolk? Any difference? I think I mean, I've 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 read. So there was a chap called Ionas Vonderplanitz. Oh, I, well, know I know, I know of him. Sure, yeah. we had him on the show years ago, years ago. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's oh, cool that's, that's really cool. Cool. Yeah, guy. he was an he was an interesting dude, yeah. and yeah. Uh, he recommended not breaking up the yolks because he said that that would damage some of the some of the more fragile micronutrients and enzymes. So really. <laughs> Yes, yeah. So he he suggested just just stirring with a just stirring with a fork, and then just um, very gently, and then just uh, knocking them back as they but, are. But not not mixing the white and the yolk together, Ren. Is no, that, is that no, what he not recommended? really. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know people, and, and they used to he used to poke a hole in eggs. Remember, and he would suck the whole thing <laughs> right out of the egg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. That's he was pretty a hardcore. trip, and he was a, he was really an interesting fellow. Sorry that we. We lost him. What about, um, there are people that argue, obviously, I don't guess this isn't true, that when you don't cook the whites, that it's more, the whites are indigestible. But that can't be true, right, with everything we know about eggs? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Have you ever heard that? It's, yes, I mean, yes, I have, and people often ask me. So, so what they hmm. what they worry about is avidin. Av- which is, yeah, uh, that's which is, it, yeah. And and whether avidin binds to biotin, which is uh, one of the B complex of vitamins, and uh, there there isn't actually a great deal of there isn't actually a great deal of evidence. There are some animal studies, and uh, there are studies, for instance, that show that feeding uh, just egg whites to livestock can result in them having a biotin deficiency. But there actually isn't a great deal, or feeding them to rats, for instance. Mm-hmm. But there isn't actually a great deal of evidence otherwise. There isn't a great deal of evidence for humans, certainly. There are a few anecdotal reports. But the thing is, I think uh I think it's definitely it's 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 overplayed, certainly. I don't think that we I don't think that we really know enough to say, oh yes, if you eat raw eggs, um right. you're going to suffer a biotin deficiency. Mm-hmm. I mean what one of the things one of the things that we would that we would be witnessing is is 
well, the golden age bodybuilders who all used to eat vast quantities of raw eggs would have been suffering symptoms yeah, of biotin would have, deficiency. Yeah, something would have happened it, to those guys, right? You know, they, mm. they'd have been, and, and the symptoms of biotin deficiency actually are very, very serious. You know, you, you get scaly skin on your face, your hair falls out. <laughs> and yeah. and actually, I mean, if you it, interestingly, if you look at pictures of bodybuilders from the 1950s or 1960s on the stage, you know, in, in a competition like Mr. America or later Mr. Olympia, they've all got fantastic heads of hair. Hmm. Vince Gironda, Vince Gironda had a huge, great mane of hair until, until he died. A dark, you know, in, in a natural color late, too, right? Color. Yeah, like, like, you know, until his late 70s. But actually, if you look at bodybuilders on the stage now, at the Mr. Olympia or whatever, mm -hmm. they're all bald. No kidding. Oh. So, so, I mean, I think that is something to do with the kind of compounds that they're taking now, sure. the kinds of, they take the all kinds kinds of anabolic of compounds that yeah. they're taking. But yeah. but the thing is, yes, I mean, uh, yes, just just look at the Golden Age bodybuilders. They ate huge quantities of raw eggs and they looked great, had great physiques, and they weren't suffering any of the obvious, uh, very nasty symptoms of biotin deficiency. So, so don't worry too much about that, yeah. I would so say. So your book, The Eggs Benedict Option, goes through the the Garanda program that he did, right? And tells folks if they want to do that, how to do that? Uh, yes. So, okay. Well, the, um, the Eggs Benedict Option really is... The Eggs Benedict Option really is a book about the Great Reset. It's about... Okay. It's about the whole the, food thing. It's, it's about the uh, plan for a global plant-based diet, basically. Okay. And... With with corporate backing, uh, and it's a comparison with the Neolithic revolution in agriculture when man first transitioned to um, grain agriculture. Uh, but yes, I, I do talk about Vince Gironda in the book, and I because I talk about why plant based diets uh, are suboptimal for humans, why we why we need to be eating nutrient dense animal foods if we want to realize our yes, physical and mental. Our physical and mental potential. Uh, if if you're interested specifically in the Duranda stuff, I would say you should pick up my first book, which is called Raw Egg Nationalism in Theory and Practice. Okay, and that's av that's available in paperback from Amazon or in hardback as like a coffee table cookbook hmm. from Antel AntelopeHillPublishing.com. Um, and you get more into that. that, that. Yes. Yeah. Into, yeah. Yeah. Here's an interesting good e email. I'm glad somebody mentioned this from Richard in San Diego, California. So what does your guest think about getting eggs that are fed GMO corn and or soy uh, rather than um, bugs? And So that's a good question. I mean, even yes. in the best eggs ever, and we have farmer's markets, they do supplement from time to time when there's just not enough foliage around for the chickens right but um but the the good people run you can actually get organic feed and they'll they'll tell you it's all organic feed and there's no soy so i mean people are getting very creative with this so what do you think about this in general i'm sure you've thought about this yeah that's it is it is a good question i mean one of the one of the fundamental principles that i try to observe and that i try to to inculcate in in uh, in other people is that you are what what you eat eats. Mm -hmm. So you should be paying attention. It matters what 
it matters from an ethical standpoint, first of all. I mean, we should care about sure. animal welfare. Sure. But it also matters because you want to eat the best possible food. And if if the animals that you are eating eat substandard food, you're going to get substandard nutrition, or you're certainly not going to get the best possible nutrition you could get from that animal. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a sad it's a sad fact of of life that most livestock. I mean, so it's I think it's worse in the U.S. than it is in Europe. Uh, most livestock, certainly in the U.S., are have their diets supplemented with grain, and a lot of that grain will be GMO. It will be GMO corn, uh, probably, or or GMO soy, or a mixture of both. Um, and so, if you can find sure, a real good stuff, if you yeah, can yeah. find, yeah, if you can find a supplier that doesn't use GMO, then that's a very good start. Um, it's likely that you're you will probably have a hard time finding eggs that are that are produced by birds that are one hundred percent pasture raised. You know, I mean, that is that is how chickens should be raised. Chickens sure. should be raised on pasture. Sure. They should be free to scratch and dig up grubs and insects. Um, uh, and and eat that way, but um, only a, only a very few farmers, I think, do that. The Amish are one group of uh, yeah. one group who are famous actually for the quality of their chickens, and they do things like they feed their chickens meat scraps because do they? chickens are yeah chicken. I mean chickens are chickens are omnivores. Chickens chickens. Mm. You know, a chicken will eat a mouse if it if it sees one. And I I did actually see a funny video the other day of a chicken stealing a mouse from a cat. Oh, um, yeah. I, so I used to have chickens here, and years ago when we had ticks, we don't have them any longer because we figured out a way how to naturally let the fire ants eat them. Pretty cool. But anyway, years ago the chickens, my dog would lay down, and the chickens would actually pick the ticks off of my dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they would eat them. They would just eat them. They would just eat them. That's cool. Yeah, very, very cool. So, uh, before we, what, what are the labels we should look for uh, on eggs? I mean, does it mean anything? They'll say cage free, pasture raised, organic. Um, before we go, kind of talk a little bit about that for people. Yeah, I think I think organic and pasture raised are probably the, the most important. Uh, probably. The, yeah, the the two that you really want to look for. Something like a lot of these labels on food are very, very deceptive. So something like cage free will make you think, oh, so they're they're living outside and they're right. happy. Well, actually, may, maybe instead of being in cages, they're just in a big barn in the dark. Right, right. Um, right. So you even with even with labels like pasture raised then you i would say check the small print too and see if it actually says anything specific about the about the conditions in which the animals are raised because you know a, a lot of a lot of food producers will try to pull the wool over your eyes and they will try to try to mislead you so that they can charge a better price for a product that actually you know is still is still not quite right. not quite the superior product you think it is. Are there any uh, strict kind of guidelines other than organic, or or if you have a non-GMO label on the eggs, or or is it still a, the wild west out there as far as labeling? Uh, I think I mean I I'm not totally familiar with the situation in the U.S., but I do know that I mean one of well one of the things that I talk about in the book is uh, the eggs Benedict option is the way that manufacturers manufacturers of um, 
uh, food manufacturers are able to uh, bypass labeling laws about GMO mm. in order to get GMO products into foods without saying that they're in them. So um, a lot of these, a lot of these sort of plant-based um, manufacturers of plant-based alternative foods are very, very keen on using the term synthetic biology. Yeah. So they'll so they'll use this term synthetic biology, and it will say on the it will say on the label, you know, this product contains um, ingredients, uh, you know, that are that are produced via synthetic biology, and that is just GMO. Um, and and so they so they they're getting that you know they're they're finding loopholes in the in the labeling laws, and the labeling laws aren't stringent enough. I mean, the the FDA or whoever is responsible for the labeling laws doesn't doesn't care enough to to tighten up these or get rid of these loopholes. But yes, I mean, if you can if you can look for organic GMO free, then that's that's definitely something yeah. that's definitely uh, something you should be looking for because we really don't we really don't know what the what the effects of these um what the effects of these new uh products are going to be i mean you are quite literally a lab rat if you're eating gmo food uh email from wendy she's in connecticut she wants to know what does your guests think about adding butter ghee or tallow to the eggs before we eat them does it help hurt or does it make a difference Oh, I mean, uh, cooking cooking eggs in butter. Is, no, no, yeah, is no, wonderful. not cooking. She's she's talking about putting the butter or the tallow into the raw eggs and drinking it. Oh, I mean, well, so one of the one of the things that Vince Yonder um, advocated was, or, or one of the recipes that he that he made was um, for a for an egg shake involving heavy cream and raw milk. Ah. So, so there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't consume raw eggs with other with dairy products or with other fat, other um, fat, yeah. other other animal foods. So, um, the Gironda shake basically is you take some eggs, maybe six eggs, let's say, uh, 250 milliliters of raw milk, 250 milliliters of um, heavy cream. Ooh. So he he calls that half and half. Uh, yeah, it's it's calorific, but uh, he calls that half and half. And then maybe you add a little bit of honey or maple syrup or even a banana if you want. And then that is, that is, uh, that's, well, that's more than a meal uh, in yeah. a glass. What's the most eggs so, yes, you've you, ever had at, at one time around yourself? Uh, the most I've ever taken in a single instance was 12, but, but over the course of a day, I've, I've had, I've had over 30. I've probably had 36 in a day. But and I don't do that all the time. The digestibility, I mean, my normal, excuse me for interrupting, but I know you have to go. The digestibility is okay? You digest it? You don't feel too bloated or anything with that quantity? You know, the the, the wonderful thing actually about consuming raw eggs is that they are incredibly digestible. Really? Um, yeah. And, and you, you really will not feel, I mean, if you ate... 12 boiled eggs in one go you would probably yeah. you would you would feel it you're telling me but 12 yeah. 12 raw eggs you you'll actually you'll feel satisfied you'll feel sated but you won't feel full and you certainly won't you certainly won't feel bloated or anything like that at all it's um it's quite miraculous actually yeah. i've i've uh i'd never tried it before two or so years ago before i got behind the raw egg nationalism hashtag and it, and it was a, it was an incredible revelation to me it really was that you could get such high quality nutrition 
in an instant and you know that it could have um these sort of fantastic effects with basically no downsides as far as i can see i often do four or five and uh, just feel fine you know it's like you just swallowed air or something it's interesting isn't it how that can be because that's a lot of nutrition in a hit yeah yes exactly i mean this is a uh, this is another thing, of course, that it's com- it's just convenient. You know, yeah. if we, we all live we all live increasingly busy lives, um, and so sometimes you know when it's not when it's not um, when you need good quality nutrition on the go, you don't necessarily have to cook. You can just you know n- knock back some raw eggs, and um, and you've got a you know you've got you've got everything you need. Okay, um, so your two websites are rawegnationalist.com mansworldmag.org and um, yes. your latest book is called The Eggs Benedict Option and what are the name of the other ones if people want to look at your previous books? So all of my paperback books are available on Amazon.com so we've got Raw Egg Nationalism in Theory and Practice which is my the paperback version of my cookbook Mm-hmm. Three, three Lives of Golden Age Bodybuilders, which is a book about three bodybuilders from the 1960s. Oh. And it has all sort, it has uh, biographies, but it has information about their uh, diets and routines that you can follow if you want, that you can take some inspiration from. Then I've got a third book called Draw Me a Gironda, which is about Vince Gironda. And it also, <laughs> it also tells you how to draw pictures of him. <laughs> and then you've got the, uh, the Eggs Benedict Option, which is my latest, which came out in the summer. And that's probably the most substantial statement of uh, my health and fitness and political philosophy. Uh, and it's about the Great Reset and also how we can fight the Great Reset um, and, uh, and usher in a, a pro-human future. And then I've got some hard hardcover books as well, which are available from antelopehillpublishing.com. But you can find links to all of my stuff on my website, roegnationalist.com and themansworldmag.org is uh is is the website basically for my magazine so i I have this online magazine which um i'm sure some of your listeners will like so check check it out cool well thanks so much for being on the show we appreciate it and i'm gonna eat more eggs now i love them more eggs well that's 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 great news and thank you for having me patrick it's been a pleasure been an honor thank you ren are the raw egg nationalist one radio network.com pretty fun uh, have you tried raw eggs? I mean, it's really tasty. I put a little salt in there, maybe. Um, you can, you know, if you like turmeric, you can put a little turmeric in there or butter. And you can actually melt a little butter and put that in there. And uh, it's a little bit easier, but beef tallow. And we're going to get a bunch at the farmer's market today. So that was good, huh? Okay, we're just going to take a quick break. Stay right there. Come back and uh, we'll chat it up for a few few ideas uh, on this Wednesday, the uh, 14th of December on OneRadioNetwork.com. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.